0: We are Wrestling Elitist. I am co-host Alex Gibson, joined as always by my best friends, Chris Scott-Moore and Sean Nash. How's it going, boys? Howdy, baby. Please remember to subscribe to our show via iTunes and Spotify. Please give us a five-star review if you can, and if you have any questions for us, leave them in the comments and we'll make sure we answer it on the next show. Visit our website, WrestlingElitist.com, to get our match ratings and latest articles. Sean, can you please let the people at home know how today's show is going to go?
1: yes, we're going to continue on with our match of the week, our moment or segment of the week, news item of the week, cringeworthy item of the week, and then leave you off with what we're looking forward to in the coming weeks and months.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I think that this week there's a lot of uh, things that we had that were similar. I think anybody would can probably guess what the match of the week was. Uh, but let's go Go ahead and jump right into it. Chris, what did you have as your match of the week?
2: Yeah, so we all had uh, Danielson and hangman as the match of the week and so there's a lot of things that i think all of us will talk about that we can appreciate i think there are nuggets in this match for different types of fans and i'm going to say a couple of things and let you guys talk too but i'm just going to start off with the beginning of the match and just something that i noticed Uh, i loved how the announcers made it feel like a big deal um taz has done a great job of explaining psychology pressure points, joint manipulation, why this or that move hurts. Tony is a trusted voice that seen everything since Starcade 83 and Excalibur accentuates um, kind of the, um, the, 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 the sound bites, if you will. When he's not plugging State Farm He's putting those sign bites in and he's kind of doing like an old JR. in the 90s vibe. And you could tell that the guys enjoyed the match and they got to enjoy their craft and do what they do. And sometimes we just don't acknowledge the announcers, but it really set out in the match itself. Um, slow start with uh, Danielson killing time with uh, Rick martell Ask jumping jacks. The pacing of the match was a little bit slow to begin. Um, I'm not clairvoyant, but I had a good idea that this was going to go 60 minutes Um, It just felt like, okay, this is what they're going to do with it. And then knowing that, how do you have um, Danielson lose and how do you have Hangman lose? It just needed to go to a draw. What I liked about this 60 minute match, though, is it never felt like Danielson was dragging Hangman along where it was like a Ric Flair 60 minute Broadway where he's carrying a broom and the other guy doesn't do shit the whole match hangman definitely felt like he was holding his weight and he wasn't just a guy um his in-ring performance was so much higher than it was say when he had his first title shot against like jericho whatever right like he's come along so far um and he was able to uh have big highlight moves in the match and by just doing simple stuff too like he just did like clotheslines at the right time and Pop up power bombs and suplexes and jumps to the outside. He was almost like a kata in a way of just say it was perfectly timed, and he knew how to uh, do it when it made sense. Um, some of the things that I also thought were just fucking great in this match, um, those back suplexes off the top. Danielson did one where it was like he floated in the air for a couple of seconds. It was just a great spot, and then they called back at it towards the end of the match when they were going home, where Dan- where uh, Hangman. Flips back out of it and hits a running lariat and just huge pop, perfectly timed again. Uh, That was a highlight for me in the match. But my favorite moment actually came during the picture in picture cutaway. And for most fans, it's where you kind of like stop watching. Um, Danielson hits this DDT on the outside with a, you know, on the floor. But the whole time he does it, he makes eye contact with the camera and has this creepy, shitty grin that was circa Jake the Snake. Now, of course, it gets undercut by a Charmin commercial with a little bear, you know, itch habit, having an itchy ass and eating the toilet paper album. So <laughs> I kind of took the moment away. <laughs> and then, but then Danielson, so I was kind of like laughing at that, and then Danielson starts to do those like Rick Martel jumping jacks again, but he's doing it on one knee to sell the pain in the knee, which I thought was funny too. Uh, the finish, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this as well. Um, you hear Justin Roberts with there's a minute left, the crowd booze because they know this is, you know, it's going to go the full tilt. Uh, and Hangman hits the buckshot lariat at the end, doesn't get the pin, but clearly he's the victor. Um, I love the match. I gave it four and a quarter stars. Um, I think you can watch this again and find things you like about it. So I wanted to know what you guys thought were highlights, what spots were impressive for you, too.
1: Yeah, this match really just took the definitely took match of the week for me. Uh, four stars. It did start off slow, like you were saying, and it just kind of took a little bit to actually get going. Really into the beauty of the match. Um, Danielson was just such an asshole. Really pissed off the champion. It was really just taking his time, going through the ropes, do a little move, put him in a trap, and then. Just slowly dissecting down was I loved when he took the full mountain, was just throwing heavy body shots on uh, Hangman, and then just slowly just breaking him down for that Lebel lock or maybe a cattle mutilation. Um, Hangman hit that uh, the ring post right in the corner there and kind of got a crimson like wig or something because he was just bleeding that entire time. Brutal match. It really, it really did kind of feel like Okada esque the way um hangman was flying through the ring and just giving it all he's got throwing those ripcord lariats and everything and it did kind of suck just to hear once like the one minute did hit the booze kind of come it kind of kind of missed like that one minute call and you didn't even realize it's right there and it kind of felt like one of those wwe times where it's not really a full 30 seconds or whatever between royal rumble entrance so overall great um four stars just because it was a little long slow to draw in the beginning but it obviously had to go with a 60 minute draw like it was going to be
0: yeah i didn't i don't really have too much other to add i mean i think that for me it was a four four and a quarter is what i gave it for a a rating however i thought that the match for me the, the like if i had to pull a negative out of it really i don't like that danielson's now had Two time limit draws so soon, like it just feels now that they're too afraid to have him lose, but it's kind of unique that in like the one he looked like he he could have won this one, it looked like he was about to lose, so that's a little bit of a challenge or like kind of cool change with it, and also it's cool to think what are they going to do from this? I'm not really sure that we're going to see Kenny back anytime soon, but to me, my instant thought was, is there going to be like a triple threat between Kenny Hangman and Danielson as kind of the tiebreaker for all of this. And that way, you you don't really have anybody look weak taking a pin in that, and you can kind of get yourself out of this little bit of a uh, you know kind of struggle you're in with this because you don't want Brock and Danielson to lose. Uh, that was close, close almost. Close. almost. I, almost. That was, I, whew, I don't learn my lesson apparently. But overall, I thought the match was really good. I, I enjoy heel Danielson. Uh, he's been the fact that he's been able to make people boo him uh, as much as they have. People truly hate him. Uh, It seems like when he's when he's in a match, that type of stuff has really impressed me just because he is such a folk hero in the hardcore wrestling fan base. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, I thought that getting to see Hangman do the kicking your head, kicking your fucking head in type stuff. That was cool. Uh, Hangman, like you mentioned, though, him versus Jericho versus him. Now, obviously, he's way more over. He's got a character and everything like that. But just his in ring ability. If you would have told me two years ago, he's going to have a 60 minute time limit draw with Brian Danielson. Uh, I would have, you know, I would have asked, Oh, did they legalize meth in Michigan for you to tell me? (laughs) Uh, but he's been, he's been great. I think overall from a where they go next is the most important part of this match for me. If, if they just do another like one, one one-on-one match, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, but also I want to give props to the to the Dallas crowd uh, just for staying in it for the whole time. Um, The booing, I actually didn't even notice the Justin Roberts um, announcement because of the booing. And I didn't, I just didn't have my volume up high enough. I don't think the original time that I watched it. Uh, But for the most part, for a 60 minute match, they were in it the whole time and they weren't annoying or anything like that. Uh, It was good. I think they were the, they were kind of drained a little bit after for the following matches, but that's kind of to be expected.
2: Yeah, um, I think the announcers also foreshadowed it. Like, okay, they're gonna have a rematch. Like, they played that card pretty quickly. Um, the thing I was gonna bring up, or what are your guys' thoughts on Hangman not winning his first match? I know there was some kind of chatter online. Sean, your father, big sexy Kevin Nash, uh, <laughs> was um, he? He made the comparison of when he won the belt and he couldn't beat Brett. I don't know if it's the same equivalency, and I but I'm I'm, I'm probably certain fans are pissed that Hangman didn't just get a decisive clean win.
0: I I did have a little bit of that thought uh, because of the fact that it was his first title defense. Like They should have given him some random squash, not squash, but they should have given him some random like Scorpio Sky faces him and he beats Scorpio before he faced Danielson at that point. Do something so that he can establish a win. I know that they kind of tried to show it like he was going to get the win or get the pin if he would have had five six more seconds to get over to brian danielson and uh pin him but uh yeah i i don't think it ruins it like the title reign or anything like that but it definitely they teeter on that line of it
1: yeah uh during this match I was watching it kind of made me question like what i liked more and i kind of want to know your guys's opinion too this peel run that he's on brian danielson the heel run that he's on now or like the peak yes movement Daniel Bryan can say that because that's who he was at that time. Yeah, that's a pro. Um, which one did you like more? Debatable. Did they? Does it register being close to that level of like fandom that he had at that time to you guys or
2: what? I don't think I, anything's capture that. Just because that was such a moment in the sun, but this is very, very high level and great. Like this is yeah. not bad. If this is, it's if it's, it's, it's one B. Um, I'm very happy with what they're doing with them. And I think, yeah, he's lost to Kenny, but that could also turn him babyface in a weird sort of full circle, how Hangman was of like, oh, he can't win the big one. Maybe that's how you make him a face again and move, move back around. But uh, no, I love that. I mean, that the fucking time when he turned on Bray Wyatt in that cage, that was something that's so magical that you never see. Like that's something I would show to non-fans and go, Look how yeah. cool this is when the whole crowds into it.
0: Yep. And I, I would say too that this this Danielson does isn't as special without yes movement, Daniel Bryan. So like to me, what we're seeing now is almost validation for the fans being so like just so passionate about him back then. And now we're getting to kind of see that payoff. So I would probably still put yes movement ahead because of those moments, because that's what made me a believer at first when the yes movement was starting to really pick up steam and everybody was a huge fan. I was like, I mean, the guy's okay. He's like, I I don't really see why everyone's like, so he should be a champ, like world champion, blah, blah, blah. But then as the story unfolded, and especially once you got to that Wyatt part, and then once you get to Mania, that was just like, then I was, I was all in. And of course that's right after that. He, you know, has those concussion issues and he's gone and then he comes back. So I think that it's one of those, uh, the pain of yesteryear is what brought us to today.
2: You imagine this guy not wrestling again, though. That's what's, that's what oh, I thought about that yeah. mul- multiple times of like, this guy wasn't going to wrestle again. And it also, we talked about this for years of like, we don't want to see the guy wrestle again because if he does have severe concussions and head issues, like, fuck, I don't want to see this guy go if he's going to get hurt. And seems perfectly healthy and seems like he's in a good place and didn't really do anything risky too. I mean, this match had a lot in it, but there wasn't anything that made me get taken out of it from a concern level either.
0: Yeah. Nope. He's done a great job of maintaining a kind of brutal move set, but looking safe while he does it and not making us, us worry about his safety. Uh, but speaking of great legendary moments... Let's move into this week's moment of the week for each of you. Chris, what did you have?
2: Oh, speaking of looks, though, let me just go back to this match again. I want to compliment Hangman on his style. That was; those were some fucking tights. They were almost as good as CM Punk's long tights. I would, I mean, I'm very mm. partial to those, but these were some good.
0: I will meet now. you for the rest of this show. Yeah, <laughs> please, please do. <laughs>
2: So my moment of the week, um, and this wasn't like a match or anything like that, but it was in the Players' Tribune. Uh, There was a fantastic article um, from Eddie Kingston a few weeks back. Uh, This one was by John Huber's uh, wife, Amanda. Uh, Fantastic story. Just super moving. There are so many powerful nuggets in there. I'm sure you guys read it too. If you haven't read it, just go Google it, please. It's a fantastic read. It really gives you an idea of the mindset of a wrestler. Uh, some of the highlights from that article to spoil it, but just to talk about it, because I think it's worth sharing um, just the headspace when he was in WWE of like, ah, they're always going to pull the rug under for, uh, out from under me up. I'm going to hit a limit, never going to get there. And then when he goes to AEW, even though he loses the belt to Cody, he still thinks it's a huge moment and there's no deflation afterwards. And he's not concerned about his push. Um, obviously some of the poignant stuff comes with his sickness Uh, it comes full circle where his father died at a very young age and he was always paranoid about getting married and having children because of that concern happening and obviously that came to be true Uh, but the most moving part of the whole story at least to me um was when uh basically amanda has to tell the oldest son that uh he is going to die and the kid asked about it before and so brody or i'm sorry so cody and biggie come uh and are in the room with them and it just just a fantastic, beautiful moment. And it just shows how special wrestling can be for a little kid uh, and why wrestlers are so insistent on being faces. We'll talk about Cody later on and there's nothing to do with the, you know, with his uh, character, but it, you just really see why wrestling does mean so much uh, to to children and why wrestlers themselves love to be faces because they want to be able to be in these moments and they are very touching. So very great article, give it a read if you haven't um it's a it's very moving it's very powerful, but it had a lot of great moments in there, and it really reinforces how much of a community just the wrestling community at large is and how these folks will do anything for each other um at a drop of a hat to take care of one another so very cool article about how great of a community it really is,
0: yeah, I don't really have too much to add. I thought that it was it was a great article and I think we've seen for the last year, essentially, how amazing AEW has handled this in terms of letting Negative One be a part of shows and he's even cut some promos like back in like January, February on Dark. Um, It has been cool to see the entire roster rally around the family. And now I think Amanda's even working within their community outreach team. Um, You -hmm. know, if you watch Dark Side of the Ring, you saw how, you know, other families have kind of... uh, in the past, not gotten this type of, you know, recognition because the wrestling companies want to distance themselves from a wrestler's death, or they just kind of don't really care at the end of the day. And to see the way that they've handled it with the Huber family, um, as somebody who loves, loved Brody as a worker and, um, you know, was super sad when, when the news came out, um, it just kind of makes you feel a little bit better about supporting this company over others or, you know, not, not in like a, In a toxic way, obviously, but just it makes you feel like, wow, there are some good people in this business because Carney and wrestler are interchangeable words at times.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say that too. It's just nice to know that there's not everyone's a fucking calm man. And we talked about that a little bit last week of just the ethos changing in um, the rehab programs that are going on in both companies and how they take care of wellness and they talk about it. It's just nice to know that um, it's not a business of scumbags. And sad endings even though this had a sad ending it had a beautiful ending too
1: yeah definitely it's very clear to see that he's such a well-respected man inside outside the ring that it's just sad to sad to think it's only even been one year but it's still he's still so heavy in everyone's minds but um for my moment of the week trying to segue off that beautiful thing um, I chose the House of Black video package that kind of yeah. debuted, which will we'll, I'll be looking forward to later on. Um, Malachi Black, clearly just, his little video packages have been out of this world lately. Um, he starts off with asking what, what makes a house strong, not the foundation, but the people within it and the people who keep it up. Uh, nothing was better than just hearing that little end bit where he's just... Uh, now you're so much more than a king. Kind of clearly, we all kind of know where he's going. I mean, his tag team partner in PWG with the, the belts. Matt Taylor. Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, thankfully, Brody King, a, a much better RO former ROH uh, wrestler. Now he can go and do uh, his own thing. He's even got the little New Japan connection. So that fourth wall, keep it open. Um, but he really kind of made, made it seem like this is going to be a super violent crew, um, especially if you add in Brody King, there's there's no way it's not going to be violent. But uh, he sprayed Julia Hart the other week, so that kind of makes me wonder of like what's going to happen there. Was that a ploy to get someone else out of the Varsity Blondes? Who knows? But just kind of a questionable person to be in the House of Black if that's if it's going to be so violent. Do You guys have any thoughts on the the house?
0: Loved <coughs> loved the promo, um, and it was pretty clear that it was. Likely Brody King, and then you know obviously he makes the comment of you know you're more than a king, and you're like yes, thank you. We've been waiting for this. They've been teaming in PWG. Um, I felt like overall it was a. I mean Malachi has had some really cool promos. I hope we start to kind of understand a little bit more about what and who Malachi Black is. Like there's there is a little bit of that aura of Bray Wyatt where you're like, are you just making him spooky and not really explaining what the spookiness is. So I would like to see that development. Also kind of going back to Bray Wyatt. One of the things I always wanted his character to be was you would see him and they kind of tried to do it a little bit with, with uh, Daniel Bryan at the time, but uh, seeing them turn somebody and it doesn't necessarily mean that they join the house of black or something like that. So I wanna see like him poisoning the varsity blondes. It causes a heel Brian Pillman Jr., but he doesn't necessarily join that cult or that like I wanna see that out of the House of Black. I wanna see them be able to make people bad, uh, and not necessarily become a member of their group.
1: Yeah, when you mentioned that, that takes my mind right back to they they kind of had Xavier Woods doing that with Bray Wyatt and then just Dropped it completely into another storyline with a new day and Wyatt family. See, hopefully AEW's has learned the mistakes of the the previous regime and can continue the storyline and not let it falter. Because Malachi definitely needs a nice story after the whole Cody debacle.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say that too. It's funny how you can make something as silly as Mist have um, storyline, you know, and you can have it mean something more and. I love that idea of it. Yeah, maybe it doesn't turn someone, or make them part of the, or it doesn't make someone part of the stable, but it does turn them because Pac got it in his face. Maybe there is something that he does, and I totally agree that yeah, Malachi did need to be reheated, and I am glad that they did it really quickly because they knew what they had before he got married with Cody, and now they're going to keep up that momentum because the fans were behind him and they wanted to make him a contender, and he's someone you could give to Hangman. I don't know, at um all out, you know, or um, you know, even full gear, uh, that could be an opponent and that could be someone who could dethrone him with credibility and the fans wouldn't be pissed off per se.
0: Absolutely. It's gonna be interesting to see where they go with him. And then jumping into my match of the or moment of the week, sorry, uh, I had the MJF pre-match promo that he cut on the city of Dallas. Um it was so fun to see MJF as a babyface in Long Island, and I hope that that continues for the rest of his career, essentially. I hope he's just a super babyface there. Originally, I had wanted him to shit on his hometown once he was there, like make them think that he was going to be great, and then, then shit on them. Now, looking back, getting to see him as a babyface there, and then the next week just be shitty MJF again, that's actually that's the way that I want them to go for the future. Um, but got to hear a great Ryback uh, insult. Uh, I don't know if he responded. I'm sure he did somewhere, but I don't know if he's. I don't. He kind of seems like somebody that's been kicked off of Twitter. Just kind of a guess. Um, <laughs> and then uh, just the fact that I feel like he kind of redeemed himself after those comments about uh, Britt Baker and CM Punk. I felt like this was a way better promo. I mean, obviously he still <laughs> said said some stuff that you're like, oh, I'm surprised that that got past uh, Tony Khan, but uh, with the uh, telling the entire crowd that their daughters swallow, but I just, I really, (laughs) I really, uh, I, I thought that it was a, it was a good, uh, way to kind of reheat the crowd almost just because they were so dead from that 60 minute Ironman match, uh, well, not Ironman, but draw. And then like you, you went into the women's match and that just didn't have as much, uh, of the crowd into it. Like there, it almost makes me wonder if originally like that full promo was supposed to happen or, uh, if they kind of were like, Hey, we need you to go out there and get everybody riled up a little bit. Um, but MJF is great. And, uh, I was happy to see him win the diamond, dynamite diamond ring as well. Uh, good match for that as well. And I think Dante Dante looked good other than when he completely threw his knee straight into MJF's oh, mouth Jesus, that's right. on yeah. that, on that flip. That was brutal. Yeah. Uh, and MJF was holding that, holding that jaw for a while. And I don't think that was just selling.
1: Yeah, he also kind of he tried to do a dive out into the outside of the ring or a springboard jump and kind of only hit him with his knees too. So it kind of threw out the match, just two little things there. But yeah, it's kind of nice to see him go from town to town, be the asshole that he is. But when he comes home, he's king. He treats his people well. He's happy with them. But everywhere else, huge douchebag. It's just perfect for MJF.
2: Not to pat ourselves on the back, but I remember us talking about how yeah, you're going to have to kind of cross that line a little bit because how much can you talk about the local sports team that sucks and make it, that's literally what he said about that Punk was doing. <laughs> uh, it's just brilliant. He, he, he really is the best promo um, for years and years and years. I don't think anyone has come close to him. I would say the only person that was was Punk in uh, his run in 2011. I mean, he is on another level. Um, and beyond, yeah, I think he's like one of the top 10 guys already, and he has potential to be top five or best of all time, like he can really go that high. Uh, I think he's one of the best verbalizers ever of all time.
0: Yeah, the way that MJF is able to say things that truly upset people and manage to not get the Max caster uh, taken off TV for 30 days treatment, very impressive. Uh, he's, he's definitely said some things in in the past where you're like, Ooh, that, that had to be close. Um, so it always just makes me wonder how often does he run what he's going to say by somebody? Because to me, I'd be paranoid. Like, as I walk to the back of like, all right, that had to be it. Right. That was the time that I'm, (laughs) that I'm getting suspended without pay. Right. But he's managed to, uh, to escape that every time. So on to our news of the week, uh, Chris, what did you have?
2: Yeah, so they announced the Wrestle Kingdom card for uh, nights one and two. I'm not going to go into night three just because like I point blank, I don't know enough about Noah and I don't know enough about it. Um, Okay, why would this tag match be good or bad or indifferent? Um, But I think underwhelming would be the word that I would use for the card. Nothing terrible, but what it felt like was um, like a litany of matches that were third from the top in the G1. Like, they're not bad, but they can't peak out past three stars. You're just like, yeah, like Kenta and Tanahashi, like, that'll be good, but I don't know if that's going to get to greatness that some of the other Wrestle Kingdom matches were, where every match felt like it was like, okay, four and a half stars or more, depending on your, um, you know, how you'd rate things. So, but nevertheless, still excited for Yo versus Show, Des, El Desperado versus Hiromu. Shibata is going to return. Um, perhaps leaving it open for Jay White. I don't know if he'll be able to go with COVID and visa situation. And then uh, night two, Osprey gets the winner of uh, Shingo and Akata. Um, Again, uh, happy with the card, kind of. I mean, I think their roster is a little bit ravaged by COVID. This would have been a perfect time to play with the Forbidden Door and have at least some people from AEW go over there. But I think, again, because of the situation – um, and with the variant, they really couldn't do that. So it's kind of a shame the a mixed opportunity or a missed opportunity, excuse me, and hopefully Wrestle Kingdom 17 will be able to have more forbidden door of AW guys going over there.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a pay-per-view kind of leaning on the prestige of the main event matches of just the, the classic belt coming back and putting that on the line and, and uh, Will Ospreay coming back. It, it is kind of weird not to see Jay White on the, the, first debut of the the match list. Um, hopefully he does get on there because he's just a grade heel over there in new Japan. And they don't really have anything else other than the uh, like house of torture, just being annoying assholes and uh, ruining everything over there. So hopefully we get a little more build to it coming up in like two weeks because it's almost here. It's pretty crazy, but it'll just be fun to see Wrestle kingdom two nights again, three actually. So, can't wait for it. My news of the week. Um, unfortunately, Kevin Owens resigns with WWE, and we're not gonna see him in AEW. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, I mean, clearly the roster in AEW is so stacked, and he'd be a top-tier addition. That would be great, but there's just too many cooks in the kitchen almost right now. Like there's like we just saw Danielson can't lose to Hangman because he just got the title and this and that and here and there, and it's just It's probably good for Kevin Owens to stay over there. Uh, He's signed like 2 to $3 million, I think. So that's good. He's got his family pretty set for for life. So great to see. I think I thought I saw something too that Sami Zayn might be staying along too. So of course, they're friends for a life. So they're going to stay together. But sucks to see. But I mean, I'm sure it's going to work out pretty well. We'll get to see him at WrestleMania. So that'll be good.
2: Yeah, I'm excited about that. Get to see him at WrestleMania. But I wasn't shocked. I think that uh, the WWE 365 or 24, whatever the fuck it was with Kevin Owens, where he was trying to get Vince's approval. And I, something about that just showed his ass so much. Or just like he needs Vince's approval and validation and Hunter so much. And it doesn't make him weak or nothing to disparage him about. But you can just tell how much pull they have and how much he wants to impress him. And that's who he's wrestling for besides his family for money. So. I wasn't shocked by it just there's something about their the gravitational pull towards those two and 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 I know he's like really close with Hunter in real life supposedly so that makes sense as well that wants to finish out his career there and um likes the stability so who knows um I I just wasn't shocked um but I'm glad we'll get the chance to see him in WrestleMania although I think uh, a round and litany of fresh matches would have happened in AEW
0: There, there's definitely an aspect to me that is disappointed and wanted to see him end up in AEW. But I think, first of all, happy for him that he got paid. uh, Because even if he were to get let go and then had that 90 day uh, non compete clause, that's still like 750 k that he'd get paid in that time. So that's a pretty good nest egg to land on. Um, But as far as you know. I, I would have loved to have seen him because obviously he's friends with the Bucks, friends with Cole, friend with, friends with a lot of those guys, and those would have been some matchups that uh, we could have really seen. But also, they, there's a part of me that's excited for what it means for people that get a chance to still step up then in terms of NAEW because he would have taken another top spot. And I know that there are people who are going to sit here and complain and say, oh, they're just getting ex-WWE guys. To me when you're signing a guy like Kevin Owens like you're signing an, an ex indie guy that also was in the WWE but he had made a name for himself outside of the WWE. He's he would have been a, if if he had never gone to WWE, he would have been one of the EVP's probably for AEW. So I think that there there's the sadness because I love Kevin Owens and I was really looking forward to pretend, potentially seeing him. But then there's the other side of it that says well, let's see who else steps up or, or maybe this does open the door for Gargano is coming or, or somebody else. So you know what? I'm happy we get to see him at WrestleMania and probably a multi-man ladder match and uh, can't wait to uh, go crazy for it. My, my news of the week actually kind of, kind of touches on Kevin Owens because I think a lot of people had Kevin coming into AEW and winning this tournament. It's the uh, Owen Hart tournament. They finally announced a little bit of stuff around it. It's going to culminate at uh, double or nothing this year. And it's going to be both a male and female tournament, which super interesting. Cause there's literally a female tournament going on right now. Um, excited to see how it goes and see if there's any other stakes to it other than the trophy. Like, does it give you a title shot? Does it give you, you know, like a money in the bank type of a thing. Um, but I think for me, what I want to see out of it is I want it to feel like a tournament. Like, to me right now, the TBS women's title thing doesn't really feel like a tournament. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, to me, it just kind of feel like it. I, I think maybe it's because of like the G one. I love the G one because it's like, it's like, so in your, in your face, like action for match, 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 and the round Robin aspect of it. I kind of want to see something like that for this. Like, just don't make it just like a bracket, a regular bracket thing. Like do a round Robin or do something to make it a little bit different. Um, because I want to, I I love tournaments. So, um, looking forward to getting more information, um, was hoping that some of the news would be that it would be starting in Cleveland when we're there. But unfortunately it doesn't look like that's going to be, that'd be a really long tournament at that case, but, uh, definitely anticipating, um, more news coming out soon.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, I think the reason why the TBS tournament just doesn't have the same gravitas is like, it's just been on for a long time. And they've made a point of making the matches mean something and pausing a little bit just to have a storyline or an angle and having them interact on Rampage, but it doesn't have a sense of urgency like some of the other tournaments do. Um, Yeah, maybe you just do a single night elimination tournament style, but I don't think they're going to do that because they said the finals are going to be at double or nothing. So maybe what they do then is they fucking go big and have it be like 64-person tournaments on each side um, just so it's so massive and so big or maybe you do something where there's like a fan thing and website you have, you can do fantasy football s types of thing, or like you can build a bracket and get some fan engagement going that way. Maybe that could be something that's cool to do. That's unique to them. Tony likes to push the idea of it being like real sports a lot. So maybe that's something fun you can do. Um, Cause it's going to be a little bit after March madness. So the hangover for that is going to go away. So that could be fun, you know, filling out brackets. I don't know. That could be cool. But I hope it's something different than, yeah, like you said, just an eight man tournament or eight women, turn eight woman tournament where it's like, OK. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm excited for it, too. I mean, I'm this is going to be a cool thing and I'm glad that they're doing something special with Owen Hart's legacy. It's still fucked up and sad that he's dead. I'm actually reading the uh, history of 1999 and the Observer uh, collection, and it's uh, pretty harrowing to just know about that story and just all the things that went wrong and it shouldn't have happened. And uh such an unnecessary death. So glad he finally gets a chance to be honored because uh, WWE couldn't do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And with the blessing of the family too, I think that's a really important thing because the Hart family has, has pushed away like hall of fame type stuff and, and other types of things with the WWE. So it says a lot that his uh, widow has given her blessing on this. All right, moving on to uh, the cringe of the week. Chris, what made you sad about being a wrestling fan this week?
2: Oh, man, so much. Uh, (laughs) So I didn't miss (laughs) Dan Lambert at all. You know, like, I didn't need to see him back again, and and it really hit me when he came out, and just his promo was... um, He's good at what he does, don't get me wrong, but it's very much a one-note. I've heard the song before of shitting on AEW and that and like i don't want that to be just like okay he's the bitter podcaster and how it transitions into cody and uh men of the year i'll get into a minute but um men of the year i think need like a a a different heel manager they need their new identity and like maybe that was something that you could have done with jose and andrade granted they're not good talkers either. And that's the whole point of grouping them together. But like, I don't know, maybe Dan Lambert's really outlived his usefulness. And I don't know if he's like signed full time anyway. So it just kind of seems like he's back unnecessarily. And I just didn't need to see him there. Um, So, and then the overacting in the segment itself, like the big demonstrative faces, how they kick and scream and just, they they go too big and broad with their mannerisms where it's just kind of silly. And I, don't know what it's leading to next. There's a couple of good things and bad things that could come with it. One, I like the idea of Cody getting paired with Dustin. If Cody wants to build equity again with the fan base, at his le- like he should be at Dustin's level. I think that's why fans do shit on him because he's really not that much better than Dustin, really. And if that was if that was his level, and he was in Dustin's role of putting guys over, no one would ever have a problem with Cody at all. But the fact that he sees himself as John Cena, that's what gets people upset. Um, And it'll be also interesting to see, okay, can he elevate these two guys who are really cold right now? They're not Malachi, they're not Andrade, they're very lower tier mid carters So he should be able to, because he's a big fucking star, he should be able to make these two guys a bigger deal than they are. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. I do do like seeing dusted with Cody, because if he is going to go face, that's A perfectly acceptable route where the fans will be behind it. But if he does want to go full on heel, that's a great way to get fans very mad because Dustin is so beloved. I hope what they don't do is this cycle of having it both ways, of him also having a parallel feud with Sammy, where it's like, okay, he's a heel in one end, but he's a face. With Dustin and it's confusion again and no one gets over and it's just this cycle. And Dan Lambert on top of it is just coding cutting promos about Cody being shitty as opposed to AEW being shitty, then it goes back in the meta thing and it's just like, oh fuck, it just do you have a character that has something uh, organic to do that's a natural storyline that isn't just up your own ass. So hopefully it gets an opportunity to go a couple of different ways. I do hope they just keep him and Dustin together because they could be a fantastic tag team. Dustin knows how to fucking tag. Those two would have some excellent matches with FTR down the line. So I would love to see them together as a pairing, but we'll see what happens with it. What were your guys' thoughts on Lambert, the segment, and then maybe the future of what these guys can do together?
0: So first to, to address the, the Cody uh, comment, just about maybe this is like him being on, like, this is his level. This is where he should be, uh, especially with uh, Dustin. It's funny because like I want to believe that, but also he had the epic entrance still for this stupid promo. Oh, fuck. I know, yes, 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 yes. yes. didn't get a chance to say that. And then <laughs> so that oh my god, I was so annoyed with it. Although there's a little bit of me that wonders, does he do that because there's the whole is he a heel, is he a face, so he doesn't come out of either of those tunnels? That's me like wanting to believe like there's actually a little bit of like a, a meta ness to that even. I don't think that really is because he's been doing that since day one. But he did, you know, a couple of weeks ago when he challenged Sammy or announced he was challenging Sammy, he started walking to the heel tunnel and then turned around and went back to the face one. So it could be a little bit of a touch to that. But as far as Lambert goes, I loved him when he first came, came in. I thought it was fun. However, when you have someone talking the way that he is about the product and how these aren't real wrestlers and blah, 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 blah and he brings in his own guys, the ones who are real fighters, all of those types of things and then your team loses. I don't want to hear you talk about that anymore. That's not a valid point anymore and the best villains in any movie and any wrestling show are the ones who have some validity to what they're saying and he has zero credibility and validity. The men of the year seem like jokes to me like to me they're like they're they're like a step away from being comedy jobbers which sucks because I love Ethan Page. Right, exactly. Um, Scorpio Sky, when he's gotten a chance to shine, he has like when some of those, you know, kind of marquee matches early on. I think he faced Jericho. You know, he's the only person to pin Jericho multiple times. Um, but I just I don't care about that group. And to be honest, like I actually fast forwarded through it the original time that I was watching Rampage and then I saw that it was your cringe of the week and I was like, I should probably go back and watch that. So they're literally like not even worth me just having on his background noise right now. Um, and, and Lambert, like as good of a talker as he is, they need, if they wanted to keep him around, they needed to change what he was saying and they didn't. And so it's just like, oh, okay, cool. So now he's going to feud with the, with the Rhodes family and lose again, and then come out again and say how wrestling fans are all losers. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me to not have a change after, after losing to the inner circle. Um, and then, as far as like future stuff, I I would like to see a Cody and Dustin kind of you know reunion type of a thing. I don't ever really want to see another breakup. I don't. I don't want. I. They should never have another match against each other. I think their double or nothing match before yes. AEW television started was just it was perfect. Maybe a little bit too much blood for me, but perfect. Other <laughs> than that, uh, and I, they're not going to top it in my mind. Uh, so. I just hope that when, when that is over, it's because Dustin is deciding to truly retire and step away.
1: Yeah, definitely. Everything you guys said was perfect on that. I think the overreaction and like temper tantrums that were thrown by Dan Lambert and like the overacting by uh, men of the year, was just, it was just awful. It, really took you out of it and then of course when cody comes down with his 15 second darkness entrance it was just too much to see it was so stupid felt like there was no need to do it hopefully they are kind of able to get over men of the year with a pairing of the brothers brother roads whatever they'd be called they'd be great to see but just awful execution on rampage
2: yeah speaking of execution it doesn't make sense i'm not suggesting this is a great idea to go but just hear me out jake isn't doing anything right now and that guy has a contract he's actually with the company he's not just doing you know whatever the fuck dan lambert's doing with the per nightly deal whatever jake is under contract long term imagine if they had him just to use just to infuse some subtlety in the way that they deliver things now would jake make more sense with house of black fucking yeah that would be an incredible place to put him in and that would feel really legit and because Malachi's not the best talker per se in front of a live live crowd whatever i mean i think he's great but other fans don't yet but uh, jake would really do well there but anyways i would just like to see them with someone else that they have under contract and um yeah especially for him to uh, just to be more down to earth uh scorpio sky and uh pager they're they're great wrestlers but they just are so broad and having a big guy and then going into a big feud with Jericho, too, who's also super broad. They just need to be paired with someone who's more subtle, uh, just so it feels a little bit more realistic.
0: Completely agree. And speaking of agreement, Sean and I, I believe, are in agreement this week yes. uh, with our Cringe of the Week. I think I was a little bit more specific, but you had a kind of a general idea, so why don't you let the people know what you had, and we'll go into my stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, just seems like Wrestling Twitter, as of late, has just been god awful um i mean when a tragedy or incident kind of happens in wrestling everyone who's not a wrestling fan who sees something on the internet is going to send it to you the whole stuff with the, the hannibal wrestler a couple of weeks back has been really been making his rounds of people just sending it on like do you see this like yes unfortunately someone kind of went off the rocker and used a spike to stab a referee to try and gain more of a reaction it was just so weird to see um, Jordan Grace and Anthony Agogo have kind of been in some back and forth match about Anthony Agogo kind of making jokes about Jonathan Gresham, amazing wrestler, far better than Anthony Agogo will probably ever be. Um, it's like height and size. It's just weird. And then today, I think I noticed Jordan Grace looks like she's off Twitter. Um, I don't want to take any steam away from Alex's t- topic, but people were forced to respond about their like marital status online because of all of it and it's just so stupid we could all be better social media sucks quite often the time but it's nice when it's used for like better news like people
0: signing with aew or something
1: cool but unfortunately it's just been bad lately
0: yeah i mean i i have no personal twitter i have we have our wrestling elitist twitter at wrestling elitist um or wrestle elitist sorry because we too many characters to do wrestling elite. Get it right, get it right. Uh, <laughs> I never know. <noticed> uh, <laughs> that. <laughs> but um, I, I don't have a Twitter and I, I generally don't go on and like read a whole lot because I just think Twitter is not, not a great place to be if you want to live a happy life. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you come across stuff as we are trying to find news of the week or, or whatever, or just try to see if there's anything crazy going on. And what stood out to me this week was seeing that uh, Ty Conti was kind of run off social media because uh, Sammy Guevara announced that him and his fiance uh, split up. And then there's been a lot of photos, I guess, that have popped up recently where you can see Ty and um, Sammy in the background together, or they're always together on, on vlogs and stuff. And she recently broke up with her, I believe, husband. So everybody's running to rumors that she... You know, she ruined the merit or the you know the engagement, blah blah blah. And what I have to say is just simply, whatever the case is, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change who they are as wrestlers. Is that a shitty thing to do? If that's the case, sure. But it doesn't change my life. It doesn't change how I enjoy their their you know their art. And it doesn't really matter. I will say that I hope that Sammy kind of learns from the fact that like. This is he like perp, he like went out and like he was really publicizing his last relationship. And that's why people tied themselves to this. Like, just keep everything private as much as you can if you're a pro- public individual because people latch on to these types of things. And uh, there's a lot of people who are, who should not be online because they can't handle this type of stuff, but they are. And they will, they, they think that they know more about your relationship than you, than you do. And and then it leads to stuff like this. I'm not blaming Sammy for this all happening. It's just I hope that in the future, him and other wrestlers, they just keep their private life private because people f- fucking suck.
2: Yeah, it just it gets in a stalker territory, how people get so wrapped up and obsessed with, again, fictional characters. You don't know them from Adam um, in, a, in a Twitter persona is a persona. It's not an actual representation. It's a projection. It's a brand. It's not a real thing. I mean, for all we know. I don't know. Maybe they're all fucking swingers and they all decided like, Hey, you know what? We just pair better this way. Like who the hell knows? No one knows. And it just doesn't make any sense to speculate. It's just a silly thing. And uh, I wish people, I mean, I have Twitter. I love it, but I love it because it's just for news sources. And like, I read articles on it and I don't engage with trolling and trolling. Isn't like part of my thing. And I block people and stuff. So it's not even, I don't know, part of my orbit. Like I don't even see Twitter as that. I just see it as like the internet um i don't know it's just a weird space how people can get so fucking caught up in uh, weird make-believe fantasies of what people are and who they are and who cares if you're a weirdo to me it's unfathomable i'm maybe i'm just so self-involved and narcissistic i don't know but i could just never imagine daydreaming about a celebrity like to me that's i don't fucking get it that's like yeah, that's about as logical to me as like a dinosaur coming back in time to fly a kite or something in my front yard. Like, I just don't like, (laughs) it's just a real fucking thing. Like who gives a shit?
0: Yeah. And I think it, yeah, it just lends itself to, I think there's a lot of immaturity for people that maybe have never experienced, you know, true relationships and things like that. And so they don't understand the nuance of it all. And, uh, yeah, I just hope I hope that we stop seeing this cuz it feels like there's a lot of people especially female wrestlers that end up having to go off of social media because they just get harassed and it's Yeah, it's like a form
2: of slut shaming. I think there's I mean I, I I'm not a gamer. I don't know this well enough, but it's almost it reminds me of like that gamergate scandal where Yeah. Or, yeah, it's just it's weird and silly guys that don't know how to talk to women and they're angry and they're bitter. Um just weird dudes that Vent their frustrations out on a fictional character and a celebrity, and I hope wrestlers also know, like, okay, I'm I'm getting the fuck away from you, and I'm keeping a wide berth. And they block people, and I don't know. They can enjoy Facebook or Twitter and shit again, but uh, yeah,
0: freak out about this stuff. So, anyway, well, let's let's move let's move forward. Uh, let's think positively and go to our anticipation. Chris. Yeah. So I'm talking trios about?
2: matches next week, baby. That's what I want ooh, from, from St. fucking Nick. I want, to, <laughs> <laughs> I want um, uh, MJF and FTR to. I was going to make another Christmas reference. I'm just, I'm a little brain dead from my booster shot. Uh, but, anyways, I'm excited about the Pinnacle versus Punk Derby and Sting. I think that's going to be one hell of a trios match. Uh, they've been building to this in so many ways. So this will be a fantastic main event and nothing more you got to say i think it'll be an opportunity for punk and mjf to square off inside the ring and actually wrestle and get physical which has been um been building up for quite some time and yeah i'm excited we all love ftr we all love mjf cm punk is fucking great hopefully he wears some long tights and uh it'll be a fantastic match
0: i uh i i really liked- the, the idea of that match, I like the way that Dynamite ended last week until my buddy Devon mentioned that he thought when the lights went out, the Briscoes were going to show up and then the trio would be uh, CM Punk and the Briscoes versus FTR and uh, MJF. I, Chris is shaking his head no for those uh, listening at home, but uh, that was what I thought it was going to be and and I or w- what he thought it was going to be. And once he said that, I was like, ooh, that would have been really kind of, a cool debut for them. Um, And I did see that FTR actually invited them to uh, North Carolina this week. So we'll probably see them at some point. Um, But yeah, overall, I just thought that great match. It's going to be good. Everything Sting's done since coming to AEW. They've done a great job of protecting him and just kind of putting him in a place where he can shine, be that legend and still put on a entertaining performance. So I'm actually not disappointed by it other than the fact that I I'm a sucker for a debut. That's really all it is. I just, whenever you can have a debut, that's not, that's not Paul white. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. So.
1: Uh, And speaking of CM punks clothing choices, I love uh, coming out in a pro choice t-shirt with born again, Steve Borden staying just there, just probably pissing in his own head. Just uh, (laughs) this guy, he comes out to help me wearing this. Uh, Definitely can't wait to see it. Um, Six powerhouse names and throwing in the little are uh, the Briscoes going to show up? Are they not? Little thing in there that's going to be cool and hopefully uh, Santa definitely brings some some good matches there.
2: I don't need to see Briscoe saving um, no or Sting and Darby. I mean, maybe they do like what Ring of Honor tried to do with fucking Enzo and Cass. Yeah, like, I know that's like gives everyone you know, rape showers is uh, sensation of wanting to get that out of our fucking bodies and aura. But um, maybe that's what they do though. Is like, they try to have them be in the crowd and disrupt in a way. I don't know. Um, Cause they need the credibility in their own little way too. I just don't see them. I don't see punk and, going back to that shirt, and see fucking the not know but you know what they're like hey, hey he he gets on with uh Kane really well, like he talked about in the Infinite podcast how much he loves he loves Glenn and uh you know he he there's no mandate he'll he'll take on, you know, so uh you yeah, politics are <laughs> it'll be genuinely strange uh, to see how those guys get on, but I would guess love to see sting and Punk, like shooting the shit on fucking women's <laughs> pro choice debate that's <laughs> surreal to watch
0: Ugh. put that on pay-per-view please <laughs> sean what did you have here in anticipation
1: um i kind of got into it earlier Um I'm, I'm really just looking forward to the debut of Brody king um he's someone who i saw in seattle at defy wrestling i Dragged my, I dragged my mom all the way across the country on a trip, and I also forced her to go to that wrestling show with me. Um, but ever since, just a huge, huge fan. Um, he's got such a dominating presence with his size, his tattoos, and inevitably, which will probably be like a heavy, like thrash metal kind of entrance theme song that he's going to have. Um, he's someone who you definitely take notice, notice of as soon as he is. I don't think there's, I mean, probably Wardlow is another comparable, but there's no one close to how kind of, domineering and strong that he looks and is so that'll be good to see in aew um definitely be perfect for the house of black i mean like i was saying they're pwd pwg tag team champions um i can't wait to see him just come and fuck shit up
2: i want to know more about the trip that you and your mom took to watch wrestling it was a lovely trip to seattle Seattle
1: before or like what that was a one show and i think that'll probably be her last show um yeah Yeah. she she gave it a good college (laughs) cry i think i think she definitely had fun i mean there's no way you can't have fun at a wrestling show it's just so entertaining but she uh she was a trooper and it was pretty sweet to see
2: it's funny yeah i can't remember like my parents like my mother never watched wrestling ever um yeah and i i don't know i think the only thing my dad watched was like the dx parody of the nation from back in the day Uh, that was funny and that certainly didn't age well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Awkward (laughs) silence. I
0: I don't have too much to add other than, you know, Sean and I, and maybe Chris was there. I, I feel bad because I left you out that one time when I had a memory. He wasn't Um, wasn't at this one, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. It was when we saw progress, right. Uh, At, uh, back in Livonia. And we saw, we saw Brody uh, complimented, sean's shirt at the time remember that yes and then also uh we saw him running the ropes and oh, the rope yeah. broke broke in the middle of him running the ropes oh. in the middle of a match and i mean you would have thought that like that that would be a devastating thing like to see but the way that he recovered and like they turned it into like a thing in the match absolutely amazing made a fan out of me i had that was my first time ever really seeing brody uh super excited to see him tag with malachi and hopefully be able to, uh, see, I mean, those two have to have the titles at some point. Right. So, uh, that'll be exciting. Um, and then for me, speaking of debuts, I think that, uh, Adam Cole, he's got a present for the young bucks. And, uh, I believe that that present is a, uh, a certain guy who can shred on some air guitar, Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's going to kind of lead to some sort of a split between the elite, uh hopefully it ends up being Cole uh Fish and um O'Reilly kind of a un- undisputed era type thing against the original elite type of a thing and I'm just super pumped about it maybe they'll swerve us and it's actually Gargano that's coming in or or something else but there's got to be a debut that 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 was it looked like it was the perfect size to be holding a contract type of a thing so um very excited about it and um You know, I there's there's gonna be some other debuts that come up over the next few weeks. So I'm sure that uh no matter who it is, it'll be exciting and we'll we'll see Kyle at some point in the near future. Yeah, it's interesting. Um the one maybe good thing
1: on wrestling Twitter was uh Kyle O'Reilly tweeted like what's in the box with the classic movie seven uh gif going on. So that'd be sweet if it's him. Um great reference to a great movie, but uh, I definitely think Kyle O'Reilly would be great to see as soon as possible. So hopefully it's him.
2: Yeah. He does need a belt to play air guitar on though. I think it really is accentuated with that. Yeah.
0: Um, FTW. I, it,
2: oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. He can take it from Ricky Stars He's not doing anything with it. Um, yeah. I, I don't, man, that segment though, that was almost my cringe of the week actually with the Christmas kazoos. And that was just right after that awesome match. It was like, uh, I don't know. I wasn't feeling it sometimes it's too goofy and silly and I wish Adam Cole had something of more substance and was fighting and was aggressive and you got to see more of his physical side not the comedy side and I'm sure those guys like fucking love that stuff but it just never resonates with me that style of humor I just don't get it um doesn't land but I mean, I don't know. I also like them being happy. And, like, clearly, uh, Adam Cole's like, fucking living his dream right now. So, good for him. But, I don't know. That. I'm not a fan of kazoos. Kazoos are always a cringe. <laughs>
1: the promo was a little weird. I mean. a what's that?
2: Well, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say kazoos are always cringe-worthy for oh, me. Definitely.
1: definitely. Um, they did kind of take it over the line. Uh, like, what's his... Uh, not... Nick Jackson, um, kind of was like, "We're gonna end your career, Sue." Just it was such a weird promo, and like the wheels were falling off through the whole thing. But definitely, definitely looking forward to what that present will be.
0: Yeah, and I, I know Chris. You, you don't love the comedy and wrestling. That's kind of that's kind of a theme. I, I enjoy it when it's not super corny. Like, actually, I know a lot of people. I love The Rock. Um, you know, he's he's awesome, but he tells a lot of jokes that if anybody else told him everyone would be like, God, that was awful, but he's just got a confidence about him that you're like, Oh, that was actually, that was funny or whatever. I've actually recently gone back and watched like all of his returns. And remember a few years ago when they were like a movie star is coming back to WWE. And then first it's the Miz and then he comes screeching in and he's going and the rock is going by and, and, uh, you know, kind of being like this weird chipper guy to everybody. and Like he says to the big show, he's like, Hey, remember that time that we all both went over the top rope and I, uh, he's like, you, I actually touched first. You didn't touch. He's like, you should have been the champion. Your life would be my life. You would have been in the Scorpion King. And then he like keeps going. (laughs) That was, that was a funny bit, but there was a couple of jokes in there that I was like, man, if that was anyone other than the rock, like people would have been like that, that fucking sucked. And I, I kind of feel that way about a lot of his stuff, but I feel like the Bucks and and Adam Cole, I think they do a good job of kind of walking the line of like, we're goofy, but we're still heels. I think Nick Jackson sometimes is a little bit over the top for me. Um, and and a lot of people in AEW seem to think that being over the top is what makes you a heel. Uh, people like Private Party, um, Men of the Year, and there's a couple of others that really stand out to me where it's like, just being annoying doesn't make you a heel. That was kind of why I haven't... I, I turn off heel Sami Zayn when I was watching WWE because he was so just like basically it was like he felt like if he brought a kazoo and just played it too much to to Chris's point then that's me being a heel. Whereas I feel like the Bucks and Cole is just like they're so delusional to like themselves and how douchey they are. That's what kind of makes them funny to me. Um so I don't mind it and I thought that overall the segment was was fine. Um Bob, Bobby Fish, I will say though, doesn't really seem comfortable. Yeah, I don't think he's ever taken a oh, job, it. That's not. Nice. Yes and Bobby. Yeah. Yes and. <laughs>
2: yeah. He's he's definitely like an outlier there. But that's also kind of interesting. And you can kind of do something with, I don't know, down the line too. But yeah, I mean, I just want to see Adam Cole do something more physical and get it away from some of the yuck-yucks of being the elite stuff that the Bucks do. Like, not that it's bad all the time, but Um, And I know they're hurting and they're getting over injuries too. And that's also a way for them to like, okay, let's still have us do shit while we're not, you know, killing ourselves in the ring and they can kind of do something like that, whatever. But I I just want to see him Cole do something serious. And going back to like being a heel, uh, Danielson's a fucking heel. Like boy, oh boy. Like he, his, he was saying on Twitter, actually, of all things, we take speaking to Twitter, like, well, I'm, I'm just the same character. Like, no, he's a heel. Like he's very heelish and that match really proved it. And you won't see him doing any kind of goofy shit. And it just shows you what really gets over long term. But hey, that's just me. Call me crazy. Call me maybe.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I don't think Bully Ray thinks that Danielson's a heel. I know I was gonna say, yeah, what are you <laughs> thoughts about that? What did, uh, yeah, you know. I got I got some support from a friend of the show bird on that, uh and and some others uh that I that I was not that I was not off on my comments about bully Ray last week. So hopefully they get to him one day
2: after all that talk. I bet he would still do like the was up spot. Well, the people love it.
0: <laughs> uh, that'll wrap up the show for this week. Once again, everybody, please subscribe to us on Apple podcasts or Spotify. Visit us at wrestling, for our latest match reviews and articles help support the show and website by sharing our content with the rest of the internet wrestling community. And finally, if you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to address on the podcast, hit us up in the comment section, wherever you stream your podcast or email us through wrestling Uh, We do have some extra shows coming out in the next few weeks, our year end awards um, and probably a couple other special episodes. So please keep an eye out for those. Please share our podcast. Once again, Rick Rude, take us home.
1: Hit the music.